Hello there, you springtime sorcerers. It's Chappie, a British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 176. How are you doing? It's a Sunday sermon. It's a Sunday service. I can hear that you're all aligned in pews. Pews. Pew, hew, Barney McGrew, Cuthbert, Dibble, and Grub. There's a blast from the past, taking you back to the Trumpton days of like the night 70s, early 80s. I think it's actually put together in... Uh, in the maybe the 1960s, believe it or not, Trumpton. Anyway, you're welcome to your Sunday edition of the podcast here. Very choral, uh, all in unison together. Uh, I want the altos on one side. I want the tenor and basses on the other side. I think we have more tenors and basses. A lot, seems like a lot of men listen to this podcast and women based on the statistics, but I don't know. I mean, who knows exactly what it all means, right? You're saying. I hope you're having a lovely weekend. It is marvellous to be here. And uh, just a relaxing Sunday, is it? Sometimes it's lovely to have a lovely Sunday, relaxing Sunday. Uh, my uh, delightful daughters have left, left me. Uh, not for good. I'm sure they'll be back again soon. But they always say never work with children and animals. And trying to put together a podcast with them, uh, it can be quite challenging. They don't listen. And the conductor's baton means nothing to them, really. But it's a joy having uh, a youthful perspective in the program. You know, rather than listening to some old fart rabbit on for about an hour, uh, it's nice to have a little bit of perspective here and hear what they. And they're so good at like editing these clips and social media and social media marketing. And how did you get that sound to go in there? And how did you make the video to look like that? I mean, it's all double dutch to me. I have absolutely no clue. But they are masters in it. So, so daddy is so far behind i mean i think this being able to sit behind your microphone and uh, ramble on for about an hour every week or twice a week is quite an achievement but you know they can do things like filming they can do the funny faces they can do the funny characters they can add music they can edit it they can make it sort of um almost like a hallucinogenic some of these things some of these uh, images that they do it's like being back in a club in the 1990s again but that is the talent it's, lo- it's lovely to see it really and just get a slightly dis- different perspective rather than the bygone age that which i have here anyway i'm having a relaxing sunday i'm very very manly and athletically went on an incredibly long walk this morning and uh, i had like a stingy nettle I don't know how it got there. It's clasped between uh, my trouser leg and the sock and sporadically kept stinging me. I mean, forget these people who are doing 14 years. Forget these people who are doing half marathons. Forget these people who are doing triathlons. Trying to walk any sort of distance with a stinging nettle. And I just couldn't find it. I couldn't find where the stinging nettle emanated from. I I know it was somewhere in the, between the sock and the trouser, but I couldn't find it with like a mystery stinging nettle that was that was basically causing all sorts of ill will during my walk here. And uh, it kept like probing me and barbing me and all of the rest. And um, I eventually found it and it was almost like Velcro halfway up the leg just above the sock line. I don't know how I managed to do three miles. I just really don't know how I managed to do that, you know. 
It does feel like spring today, though, doesn't it? I know lots of people are having some lovely, lovely weather. Uh, and it's been absolutely beautiful here in Colorado, like 76 degrees. The people are like hiking and moaning about how muddy it is outside. I mean, just be glad that it's not how it was like a month ago when it was like minus one. And you, your fingers were turning to icicles as soon as you went outside. I have put the corgi on the diet. So Maggie's getting like half a bowl of food. Because I mean, when my daughter's there, they couldn't recognize her. They think he's been to some sort of fat camp or something. And uh, my, as I said to you the other day, my daughter was bench pressing a very large corgi. Now, if you want some sort of, I know a lot of people out there like lift barrels and whatever else. Now, if you tried to lift Maggie with either your legs or arms, it's quite an achievement to be able to do that. You could get like a huge upper body workout. But I put on a bit of a diet and I think, you know, a diet, uh, good digestion and the rest of it. She looks like a new lady. She looks like a new lady. May have lost a, a couple of inches and a couple of pounds. So going to keep up with the diet here. Because I've got one dog that basically is like a drover's dog. I mean, so skinny, skin and bones as George. You know, wouldn't be able to tell with all the dog fur and everything. But Maggie, I tell you, she's a big mama. So if you missed the last podcast, and I'm releasing basically two podcasts together. The little bit of editing on the, uh, the podcast with the children the other day. Some sort of sort of fine tuning and editing to to make it sound somewhat uh, releasable, uh, but uh, on the podcast uh, yesterday we did talk about if you have to work at Lululemon, do you have to wear the Lululemon gear? Do you need the body to wear the Lululemon gear to be able to work there? So I was a little bit worried about wearing these uh, joggers as uh, Victoria is talking about, but we discussed that on the podcast as well. She taught us how to do the uh, family jerk. It's a big TikTok thing at the moment. The family jerk, apparently. Uh, also, how we, uh, how you can sneak snacks into the movies. Uh, we did talk about Stranger Things, the uh, new season of Stranger Things that's coming out here. Also, uh, my first sort of, um, my first sort of viewpoint of Top Golf, how it's basically the bastion of the male patriarchy. You had the dude wet wipes that basically could wipe any part of your body was listed on there. I mean, people are worried about going to Top Golf, I guess, being incredibly dirty. But there's these wet wipes absolutely everywhere, and you can use it to, you know, if you're eating fried chicken, or I mean, if you basically go to Top Golf with Betty Swallocks, if you've got the whole Betty Swallock thing, there is a dude wipe for you to freshen you up before you hit balls. There we go. And we'll be talking a little bit more about Top Golf today. I think it's an, a great sort of character study and, and, and a great social study when you go there. Also, in my dream last night, I was chased by the government. I'm trying to sort of remember this, but I had basically uh, some sort of, uh, I, I guess, freedom fighter being chased by the, uh, by the government. And this was this dream went on for the whole night. It was like a John le Carre movie or John le Carre book. Um, also, uh, last time we talked about uh, what's wrong with taking your shoes off in the uh, in the movies, uh, Squidward's Tiki Tiki Land. Uh, we never just discuss uh, eggnog uh, for Easter. That was uh, one thing that we didn't talk. That apparently, um, why not? Why not introduce sort of Easter eggnog into the mix? We have uh, Cadbury's cream eggs all year round, especially at Christmas time and obviously at Easter. But why not? Uh, why not we have a little bit of uh, eggnog over uh, Easter tide? 
That would be rather lovely. Last time we talked about the most uh, interesting cartoon out there. Very, very classy French-Canadian stroke Japanese cartoon called Miraculous, where basically rebellions are like cheese souffles. They often collapse as well. And also we discussed Victoria's composting. She does not have to do any uh, type of uh, composting, but she gnaws the apple right down to the core. I tried to do it today and I nearly choked on a couple of seeds. Hot cross buns with new flavors are apparently the devil's work, Chaplin says. A former royal chaplain has said posh hot cross buns may be the devil's work. Gavin Ashenden, who is the honorary chaplain for the Queen, gave the take. He added it's not an ancient that buns have become warped. Hot cross buns with novel ingredients such as chocolate, cheese and caramel may be the devil's work, said a former royal chaplain. Gavin Ashenden, who is an honorary chaplain to the Queen at St. James's Palace, said the extras distract us from the seasonal treats religious symbolism. It's not an accident they've been warped and suggested it could be taken as a sign of the devil at work. Uh, the hot cross bun stands for the struggle between the world as it is and the world as we want it to be. He suggested indulgent new ingredients are enlarging appetites rather than focusing our minds on the suffering of Christ. Hot cross buns traditionally eaten on Good Friday are named after the flower paste cross on top representing Jesus' crucifixion. Christian said the symbolism is lost, Dr. Ashenden said. I mean, this is where you can get chocolate chip laden. I mean, this sounds absolutely fantastic. I mean, what's wrong with, like, a Nutella cross? If you emboshed a Nutella cross on top of the hot cross bun, why not? I mean, you could do that. How about a a sprinkly hundred and thousands cross on top of the bun? I mean, like, nuggets of chocolate inside the hot cross bun would be an absolute delight. As I said the other day, I think that could be my new favorite uh, offering, smattering of the hot cross bun would be with uh, bits of chocolate inside. But it sounds devilishly delicious to me. From Bond to Batman, films are nearing the leg-crossing, buttock-numbing, three-hour mark. Bring back the interval, says uh, our writer in The Guardian. According to Robert Pattinson, the most important accessory in the new Batsuit was not the Batarang, the Bat-Lasso, or the Bat-Grapple, but a Velcro slap flap that allowed him, I mean, like a Velcro slap. I mean, a Velcro slap could be all sorts of different. It could get caught in the hair. It could be very painful. It could be a very, very painful moment, especially as you rip the Velcro away. But the Velcro flap that Robert Patterson asked allowed him to pee when needed. No easy escape, though, for audiences of Batman who must display superhuman willpower and gird their loins for 176-minute runtime. Given that No Time to Die was 163 minutes, the Avengers Endgame 181 minutes in the ranks of recent blockbusters, Dicing with a bladder-bursting three-hour limit. Is it time we reinstated that staple of another era of maximalist cinema, the intermission? It feels like a relic of a more civilized epoch, but with more franchises than ever happy to take their sweet time, the intermission would be a welcome opportunity to hit the WC, as well as loosen the legs and buttocks and avail ourselves of refreshments while musing with fellow cinema-goers on the semantics of the grunge in the Batman. Elongated runtimes have become so common that many franchises such as The Avengers, The Hobbit, and It 
started breaking up the unified stories into multiple parts anyway, effectively enforcing months-long intermissions. Why not make it official? Once a film tops 150-minute mark, give us all a break. Old-style, sprawling epics parted their productions midway as surely as Charlton Heston did the Red Sea. Yes, we need to part, part our ways during the intermission just to give us a break here. Or you're going to be stuck to make those uh, popcorn bars plastic uh, because you'll be uh, you'll be relieving yourself in the... Po- I mean, this is an idea, though, isn't it? I mean, you've got those big reclining seats now in movie theaters. Can't you just lift it up and make it like a portaloo? Like pull an old shower curtain round and do your business? I mean, it's so loud in the cinema. Nobody's going to hear what's going on. But the death of the intermission has actually been more exaggerated. It still survives in Iceland, Switzerland, Egypt, Turkey, and of course, India. I mean, wouldn't you love to go and get a samosa during the intermission? I bet you can in India. Where movies can contain so many volcanic emotions that a break is required to let everybody cool off. It's practically a public health measure. They have made the occasional return and showcase screenings of latter-day old Hollywood films. As with Peter Jackson's King Kong 187 Minutes, Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight, which was also 187 Minutes. Or simply out of mercy in the case of the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League, 242 minutes. But essentially, at some point, some Hollywood analyst decided that a 10-minute hiatus was incompatible with the Pack-Em-In six-days-a-show production of the modern multiplex. Gandhi in 1982 is often cited as the last major Western film to feature an intermission. This would be fitting as his multi-Oscar winner was a holdover. In a world leaning into the streamlined blockbuster machines ushered in by Spielberg, Lucas et al., from the old-style sprawling epics that parted the productions midway as Charlton Heston did with the Red Sea. Prince of Arabia with Peter O'Toole and his Arab chums having the bit between their teeth hits the intermission on a chastening note from Claude Rains. He's riding the whirlwind. Let's hope that we're not. In Seven Samurai, some villagers are beginning to think that they can beat the bandits without all this extra help with Takeshi Shimura takes them to task right before the halftime. This is what nature of war is. By protecting others, you save yourselves. This is the intermission working smartly as an introspective reflection point, a minor fall between the major lift, with a snap when Thanos seemingly irreversibly finger clicks half the universe's population out of existence. Marvel managed a true coup de theatre to close Avengers Infinity War. What a marvellous intermission it would have made if the endgame had followed immediately. But then that kind of poise fills in a rarity for their formulaic Lycrafest. In truth, though, the return of the intermission seems about as likely as Batman smoking a bong. Just hypothetically, we just float to a gentleman's agreement with Hollywood. If you're going to insist on stretching out comic book juvenile to Tolstoy proportions, how about doing the decent thing and letting us take our time too? I mean, the problem is, though, you have a premiere. And if everybody goes at the same time, you're going to have to stagger it. Because if everybody goes at the same time, then the intermission, 10 minutes isn't going to be enough. Because people, especially the ladies, and they're going to be lining up, it's going to be a 20-minute intermission. So, I mean, this could be a whole new thing. It could be a whole snowball effect where you're going to have to start staggering the intermission. Even my dreams in the midst of slumber have become epics. You talk about the three-hour movie, three-and-a-half, four-hour movie. I think my dreams are lasting the whole night. 
I mean, I remember about used to having dreams. I mean, I don't, I can't remember having dreams very often, but this was like a John le Carré spy thriller epic where basically the government was chasing me. I guess that's one of the hang-ups you have of being the foreigners that the government's always chasing, always watching you. But this was where I was some sort of spy or spy for hire. It was almost like it was an on-demand spy. And uh, yeah, it's like going to the red box where you're renting out a DVD or something. Like somebody put their card in and uh, there you go. You can have me for three hours as your honorable pay-for-hire spy. And that was the essence of the dream. But it went on for ages, like different governments chasing me. I was sort of neutral. I was like sort of Switzerland, I guess. And, and, and no, I was not affiliated to one particular country. But I had everybody chasing me. I remember one moment, it became a little bit Austin Powers, where I had that baby blue that, uh, sort of cloth toweling, short-like romper. So it's like Sean Connery wore this in golfing. It's basically a a short romper with a belt that clips together and it's made of baby blue toweling. And I was wearing that at some point during this particular dream. Now, I don't think you'd take any spy seriously. I mean, if anybody be taken seriously wearing a baby blue, like zip up romper with a little belt, it would be Sean Connery, but not your dear host. I don't think that would, uh, would go down very well in uh, spy parlors to say the least. But that was my entire dream. I think from the moment I fell asleep, this was an epic of a John le Carré spy thriller with me probably at my most campest uh, as, 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 the, as the lead spy in this on-demand uh, pay-per-view or pay-per-hire spy ring. So back to Top Golf. So it is a most masculine, it's dripping with testosterone when you go in there. I mean, it's almost like you need to take your own sweat stick, your own deodorant stick, or maybe some Lynx spray in with you, but it smells the essence of man. Now, there's ladies playing there, but it was designed for men. The menu is designed for men. Basically, meat, carb-laden menu. There's 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 no delicate little flourishes on the menu. You can get like a hot dog, or you can get a burger, or you can get like, you know, mac and cheese balls. I mean, even the appetizers uh, allude towards men's balls. You got mac and cheese balls bites. I mean, can you get any more dripping with testosterone than Top Golf? And then you go in there. I think, you know what? I'm going to go in there and play my own game. It's all about, you know, it's all about the smoothness of the strike. It's all about. I mean, when I like to swing, I, I, I like to do a nice, smooth takeaway, and I like to elongate. This is the speed of my swing. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway is the speed of the swing. But then I'm looking around, and there's some guys over there, like, gripping and ripping it with a big dog, as Victoria likes to call them. And you're looking at the speed of the ball, the speed of the swing, the carry, and the final distance. So you go in there and then I start like gripping it like an axe and trying to out hit the guy next to me. I can't help it. I mean, I'm not some sort of macho, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't buy into all that nonsense, but I just can't help it. You look at this and there's some guy and he's looking at how far I'm hitting it. He's looking at 
you know, I'm looking at how far he's hitting it. It's some sort of like measuring competition, some sort of primeval, primal measuring competition. That's basically what Top Golf becomes. I mean, it is obviously the effort. I mean, I would like if there's a putting green. Or if you had to chip it into the clown's mouth just to introduce a little bit of finesse into the whole escapade. Rather than look at You know, it's like Eye of the Tiger stuff. And that's the problem I find with Top Golf. I don't think it's going to, it wouldn't do my ga- golf game any good whatsoever going there. Because I'm like, you know, holding onto the driver, belting it, pulling a muscle in my back, and then I need probably three of those wet wipes to get rid of all the sweat. A bear in Connecticut got more than it bargained for when it picked a fight with two pigs. Instead of a quick snack, the bear soon found itself in a fight for its life with two Vietnamese potbelly pigs in New Milford, New Haven. Owners Kevin David and Rebecca Shaw told the local media the pigs' names are Hammy and Mary. I'm very proud of them because Hammy, the little one especially, he's, is, he's afraid of his own shadow. And the way he came out charging out when he saw Mary tussling with the bear, he was like, okay, no way, get out of here. Despite the uh, bear battle, the pigs are no worse for wear. There's some heavy pigs, and we're sure the bear is still a cub. I mean, they do have the uh, wild boars that actually eat meat in Italy, I believe. And I mean, you can feed boars and pigs, whatever you want, to help their flavor. But they're all like, I don't know. And I think they're sort of cannibalistic as well. Or am I thinking of the uh, Tom Harris uh, Hannibal <laughs> Hannibal movie where I think Mason Verger trains his pigs to eat humans or something like that. But I believe there are carnivorous pigs out there. So you have to be careful when you when a bear gets into a fight with a pot-pitty pig. But more pig news here. So we had a pig eats owner's pot and the man has a meltdown. After his pig ate all of his marijuana, a furious Ohio man went on a drinking binge that resulted in his bus Saturday for disorderly conduct and uh, resisting arrest. While the pig named Millie ended up with pot in her belly. She's not a pot belly pig, not based on this. She's actually quite slender looking, like a supermodel type, like a Cindy Crawford type of pig here. Chad Spawn became highly intoxicated drinking a bottle of Everclear, 190 proof alcohol, and Spawn threatened to harm himself during several 911 calls. Sounds like he was sort of paranoid before he even had a chance to eat the pot. Upon arriving at the Spawn residence in Waterford, deputies learned that Spawn's wife, Heather, is upset over their marital problems because their pig had ate all of his marijuana. Chad gets very upset when he hasn't had his marijuana. Spawn became highly agitated and uncooperative uh, with the deputies after a tussle. He had to be subpoenaed uh, with a taser in order to be placed under arrest. I mean, I think the pig was just lying in the corner probably just uh, relaxed eating munchies or something. According to posts on Spone's Facebook page, the pig got to his pot as he failed to put it up on a shelf out of the animal's reach. While the wife said, uh, just because I didn't put my stuff up that the pig ate, it was, it was my fault uh, and I go before the pig. I guess I will be putting up some higher shelves in the future. In the message to his Facebook friends, he wrote, anybody want a pig? She's free and comes with food in a cage. She is housebroken as long as you show her where to go. If you have a dog, she will follow it. I just hope don't have time for it anymore. 
I mean, I don't know really what's funnier, uh, the pig eating the weed or a 44-year-old man drinking Everclear. I mean, the, this man has a, a serious problem. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think the pig probably, after having a belly full of pot, probably would ate all of the potato chips and then probably wanted to call Uber Eats to get Taco Bell as well. As the kids would say, that's uh, certainly bus and bacon. So something caught my eye during the week. Uh, it's Greg's that is famous for its meat pies and sausage rolls in the UK. There was a naked man apparently eating in the uh, local Greg's. And uh, these are some of the comments from Twitter. There's also a guy riding down uh, in the woods local to me, naked with uh, an erect. Uh, it's been reported to the police. If you see him, please report uh, this. I mean, could it be the same guy? Uh, don't hold uh, hold on to his balls as well. And then apparently there's somebody else. There's a whole list of people who've taken pictures of this guy who had his, uh, had his meat pie and he's walking down the high street uh, completely naked. Uh, completely naked. What I can't get my head around is that somebody actually served him. Um, he's just been asked to leave, but the big question, will he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would actually give the sausage rolls a miss that day. But yeah, yeah, you want to give the sausage rolls. Uh, you don't want the uh, sausage without the roll or the roll without the sausage. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you zoom in a little bit closer, I mean, not that close, though. You can see the guy's actually eating whatever he's eating in Greg's with chopsticks. Now, why would you need chopsticks to eat a sausage roll or a meat pie? I mean, it's probably pretty difficult to get all that goodness up with uh, a pair of chopsticks. I mean, maybe he just didn't want to make sure he didn't drop the cutlery into his lap. I mean, that could be a problem. I guess he had to sit somewhere because he wouldn't be able to go to the park and eat it on his lap. Not with like a burning hot sausage roll or meat pie. I mean, if he dripped any of the contents onto his lap, I mean, things would get start getting shriveled and he would have to go to the emergency room. Somebody could have given him a brown bag to keep his pie warm and probably everything else warm as well. But one eagle-eyed commentator uh, made this uh, made this comment. Uh, Notice that the guy was completely naked, but was wearing shoes, so he got past the no shoes, no service, please. And a couple that thought they had uncovered the world's largest potato that the hopes destroyed after Guinness World Records told them it was not actually a potato. Colin Craig Brown and his wife Donna made the discovery last August while gardening at their farm in Hamilton, New Zealand. After months of submitting photos and paperwork, Guinness told the couple last week that the tests were negative. Sadly, the specimen is not a potato, in fact, it's a tuber. Isn't potato, aren't potatoes part of the tuber family? A type of gourd. A gourd. Good gourd. For this reason, we do unfortunately have to disqualify the application. What can you say? We can't say we don't believe it because we gave them the DNA stuff. I mean, what do you, how the hell do you extract? Do you just send like a, a, a slice of the potato, a piece of hash brown for them to do the DNA? The uh, pair had been posting comical photos on the tuber on Facebook. They named it Doug. Uh, pictured him wearing a hat, even a built, a cart to transport it. It's become something of a local celebrity. The record for the largest potato is five kilograms set in 2011. The Craig Brown's tuber weighs 7.8 kilograms, making the disqualification all more painful. The couple were storing the good in their freezer. I'd say good day to him. Good day there, good. 
Uh, he's a cool character. Whenever the grandchildren come, I mean, I think this guy's been smoking this pig's marijuana. It sounds like here. He's saying good morning to a potato in a freezer. Uh, and then whenever they're grandchildren, they want to see, can we see Doug? Doug the Good. In an appearance on ITV this morning, Colin had initially thought that the Doug was a white sweet potato, but decided it was too large. Describing how he unearthed the tuba with a garden fork, like an angry Viking, I thrust it into the ground and caught me a giant potato. Gird your gourds, it's not a real potato. What if working in sweatpants unleashed your superpowers? Forget the blank pants, nix the blazers at home. We wear what we want and research suggests that work our benefits. Bill Hall has 50 French cuff dress shirts, twice as many cufflinks, 100 ties on motorized racks, at least 40 pairs of suspenders. Yeah, we're talking about the American suspenders that hold your trousers up, not the ones that hold your stockings up. Instead, his uniform has been a t-shirt, slippers and pajama pants or baggy jeans when carrying his phone around in the pocket of his PJ pants started to bug him. Occasionally indulge in a pair of silk pajamas, dark blue with a white pinstripe he received for Christmas. Why get dressed up at home, asks the 70-year-old Mr. Hall, who works in procurement uh, in his Frederick, Maryland home. What do we wear while working remotely? Whatever we want, even as we called it back to the office, we might take some of our new sartorial selves with us. Yes, we've uh, casual is in. Goodbye to hard pants. And we've also gone weird, authentic and free. Our hair is gathered in messy ponytails left to its natural colors or texture hidden under beanies and ball caps. We've ditched makeup, razors, deodorant, a January survey with... Uh, consortium of academic researchers found that commuters spend on average 27.8 minutes grooming and getting ready for the day compared to 19.1 minutes for telecommuters the latter are less likely to shower daily and put out fresh clothes too i mean what it, i mean <laughs> these guys are waking up with pajamas what is it taking them 19.1 minutes to do if you're making a pot i mean you could probably make a porridge and we're not talking quick oats in 19 minutes but what are you doing in 19 minutes if you're rolling out of bed turning on your computer with your pajamas on so i dress like a middle school baseball player uh, in the seattle area guinevere rincon began her work from home journey by dutifully pulling on her office slacks and skirts slowly she slid into yoga pants a pink fuzzy bathrobe emblazoned with cats and finally broke into a stash of theater costumes occasionally dressed as a witch or werewolf or ghost or greek goddess to switch things up she found she could fully concentrate at her computer in the looser clothing when you're in an office you're so focused on, is my slip showing? Are my shoes okay? With a costume, all that stuff is out of the door. Forget dressing for a job you want. Dress for the environment you're in, says Erica Bailey, a doctoral student in an organizational behavior at Columbia University. Researchers assigned thousands of participants, all remote workers, to various states of dress. The Zoom mullet, business on top, stretchy pants below. Researchers confirmed compliance through photographs of the outfits participants select and measured the impact of the clothes through the surveys. The big reveal, wearing business attire didn't 
consistently increased participants' feelings of power. Throwing on comfies while working from home, however, boosted the working feelings of authenticity and engagement, indicated that they were more immersed in the task and more present. People could get more out of their employees if they let them express themselves. Is the perfect pasta for you based on your own zodiac sign? So here we go. Aries, which is mine, you're the first sign of the zodiac. You're strong, assertive, and like to get things done at a speedy pace. There's no doubt that you're a spagatini because it's fast cooking and strong enough to stand up to anything it encounters. The Taurus, reliable, thick skin, but you love rich textures and classic flavors. Veramasi Leone, as it's the thickest of the spaghetti family and results in a greater bite intensity. Now you're symbolized by twins, there's two sides to you and you're known to be a natural communicator. Gemilili, named after the Italian word for twins, is a total fit for you. Do you crave the comfort and things that remind you of being at home and it's rare that you'll say no to a hug? That's why you're the shell-shaped pasta that not only reminds you of the sea, but also welcomes you home. Leo, you've got a big heart and love taking the lead. You're the ultimate showman and that's why Pashiri, the king of the short shapes, is for you. Larger and wider than rigatoni, these tubular noodles stand out in a crowd. Virgo, you're practical, sensible, and very meticulous. An earth sign you're known for being grounded, and that's why also is a perfect representation. Tasty in broths, fresh salads, or even cooked like a risotto. Libra, tactful, diplomatic. Your spaghetti with its long, circular shape. This pasta immediately bonds with anybody who tastes it. Scorpio, you tend to be quite a reputation. You're the most intense, mysterious sign of the zodiac. But that's why lasagna, you've got layers and layers of complexity. Sagittarius, you're fun, exciting, and often the life of the party. That's why the, you're the Lugi Ziti, a long Ziti that's considered the father of Penne. The name derives from the past custom where women without husbands, the Ziti, is in fact stayed at home to break pasta for Sunday sauces instead of going to mass with their families. In Capricorn, you're saucy, in control, ambitious. That's why Fusily, it's the spindles of the spinning machines, kind of the same way your brain works, spinning with ideas constantly. Aquarius, you're clever, optimistic, you can easily adapt, similar to rigatoni with short ridges, texture and cut shape. And Pisces, you're known for being emotionally sensitive, creative and imaginative. If you were a pastor, you'd be radatory, inspired by the world of mechanics. The radatory is made up with concentric fins, perfect for a water baby like you. Trombone, this singer might have fared better if she let it go. Brazilian songstress Vivian de Queiroz Pereira had to be hospitalized after a reluctance to fart in front of her significant other resulted in a dangerous gas buildup. She derailed her gastrointestinal fiasco in an Instagram story to her 15.7 million followers. This is quality material, people. I woke up at 5.38 a.m. with severe stomach pains and ended up in hospital. It included photos of the 27-year-old superstar in the medical facility. Piara's bizarre affliction started as she refused to let him rip because she wasn't on farting terms with her boyfriend. The gaseous gal also reportedly heeded advice in a TikTok thread that told her to ignore the stomach pains, which eventually resulted in her having to go to the doctor with the accumulation of trapped farts. Brazilian songstress was a falsetto farter. <laughs>
And just as you thought it was safe to go back to the ER, a UK woman's hand was left looking like a cartoon shark's head after doctors sewed the appendage inside her stomach to find a vicious infection. A video chronicling the jaws dropping uh, currently boasts 75 million views on TikTok. I wasn't aware my hand was actually going to look like a shark's head till it had been released from my abdomen. It did not expect to go viral either. The uh, Megalodon mitt humming the Jaws theme before dunking it in a bottle of water. Kemp's near-fatal ordeal occurred around Christmas time. Doctors diagnosed Kemp with a kidney stone and transferred her to the emergency ward to remove it. Disaster struck during the operation after the mother of two limbs became afflicted with sepsis, a life-threatening condition that affects the body and the body attempts to fight off the infection and it ends up attacking its own tissues. But for the first time I moved what was my left thumb and I said wow it looks like a shark's nose and more pasta on trump or trombone a woman has divided opinion with her unusual pasta recipe that sees her topping a dish with gravy Christy D's unusual dinner was shared on rate my plate which is one of my favorite twitter sites she shared the snap of the fusilli pasta topped with a heap of steaming instant gravy classic pasta and gravy the post has gone viral some admitted they loved it while others found it completely repulsive what the hell is the classic about this looks like somebody had the runs on a pasta another purist wrote there's no such thing as classic pasta and gravy no such thing not an italian menu in any italian restaurant no italian chef would ever cook it no mama's secret recipe not even an italian recipe book nowhere ever you seriously need to take some cooking classes or just take aways and never ever suggest this abomination i don't know you you told you had pasta and gravy as a meal you should file it as a complaint i don't know what's worse though the pasta and gravy when i first came to america and americans said you'd have to try this most delicious 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 breakfast it's biscuits and gravy Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been lovely to have you here. We had a little mini edition of the podcast with my daughters yesterday. Listen into that. We're releasing two on the same day. So two for the price of one, double the fun. But if you like to listen to the podcast, just the audio version of the podcast, then you can listen on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platforms, Breaker, Slacker. Uh, you can listen on Audible, Amazon Music. You listen on Pandora, iHeartRadio basically anywhere now if you're pouring gravy boat onto a sunday roast today as the gravy drips down and spills all over your beautiful roast beef you could probably hear keep calm and cauliflower cheese the, the sound the gravy the fullness of the gravy it's part of the whole gravy train you can hear it basically anywhere if you like though music with your nonsense then you can listen to the Butler Emporium musical edition on Spotify where there's some Mama Cass, there's some Rolling Stones, a little bit of Austin Powers, you've got some Kirsty McCall, you have some Led Zeppelin. Coming up next though, we do have a lovely springtime poem for you. This is James Henry Thomas' Spring Greeting. Lo, the winter is now past, spring comes riding in at last, with her healthful balmy breeze, greeting birds and budding trees. List I hear her gay, ha-ha, ringing through the meadows far. 
getting everything in tune, budding trees for shade of June. She has turned the atmosphere with a season of the year, lighting gracefully she steps, winning everything she helps. Winter tried to keep her way till the near approach of May, but the sun's hot rays forbade and have many glad hearts made. In the groundhog has come out of his burrow with a shout, for his shadow failed to show as it did six weeks ago. Gentle spring, why lingered though? Though delayed the farmer's plough, tis upon the weed a pen for the happy harvest end. Breathe now upon the earth, that she'll give gentle birth to more smiling buds and flowers. Make glad these hearts of ours. I will be back again next weekend for two new editions of the podcast. We try to do a Friday and Sunday, sometimes Saturday, but two over the course of the weekend to ease you into your weekend festivities. But until next time, it's Chappie out. Cheerio.